0: A Google Doc has been appearing in the inboxes of resident assistants at NYU. It is titled, An Analysis of the Treatment of Resident Assistants in New York University's Office of Residential Life and Housing Services. The 40-page, single space document, complete with an abstract and table of contents, was written by Ari Reich. Ari graduated last week after his four years at NYU and two years as an RA. I sat down with him to talk about what he wrote.
1: It's just a, an essay detailing all of the concerns and problems I and others have had with, um, you know, residential life as RAs and not just the problems, but also the solutions we can take to fix them.
2: And your sort of essay, your paper, mm-hmm. your magnum opus, yes. um, it has five sections. Mm-hmm. So the first section is your background and a summary of yeah. what the whole thing is going to be. The second section is how... The residential housing serves its own needs mm-hmm. more than the needs of residents and RAs. And then in section three, you talk about the problems that RAs face. Yeah. Section four, you talk about solutions to those problems. And section five, you write about how university officials are not very open to bargaining with mm-hmm. resident assistants. Yeah. So can you just kind of walk me through what you wrote, sort of give a summary of,
1: Each of the sections? Yeah, each of uh, the sections. So the first section, I I really didn't want to put that in in there in terms of, like, my personal connection. But I thought it would be necessary to, you know, detail why what I'm saying has some kind of weight or merit. You know, like I said, I've been a part of residential life for four years and Ari for two years. I've held leadership positions. So I'm really, you know, well integrated within the system. But also, I just want to point out that I've been given a lot by it. You know, Residential Life has given the these leadership positions a lot of opportunities for growth. So this essay does not come from any malice at all toward the office. So I, I, the first section there is just there to elaborate on all of that. Second section is about how, you know, we can't deceive ourselves and think that, you know, everything that the university does or that OLHS or I'm going to probably use ORLHS and life synonymously. Um, what,
2: what, what does that stand for?
1: Um, office of Residential Life and Housing Services. So it's to establish that not everything that they, that they do is in our best interest. So when we see them take an action, we should be a little bit circumspect of why they're doing it. We can't just take it at face value. Oh, this is going to improve us. You know, probably what I think is the strongest points in that section is how they, the prices of housing are way too high for what's actually going on. You know, you do the math on uh, a place in University Hall, it's going to work out to about $2,000 a month for just one bed in university home with four people living in that suite, seven to $8,000 a month. You're paying, you know, essentially in rent for, for that room. Um, and when I brought that up to the senior associate vice president of student affairs, Tom Elliott, in a meeting that I had with him, uh, he said, you know, very immediately, like, you know, that money goes towards microscopes for biology classes. It goes to, you know, retain great faculty you know, for all these other things that go on in the university. And that's a, a strange thing where the cost of housing is actually going to the university almost as a form of extra tuition, especially because a lot of those who are living on campus are, you know, high need students who can't pay for rent right away. So they need to put it on student loans. They're kind of getting shafted in the back end because they're going to have to pay exorbitant amounts of money, you know, afterward in form of student loans once they graduate. So if they did care about students in that regard, they would lower those prices and they would only cover, you know, everything that goes along with you know, providing a a room and a space for for a residence.
2: And then in the third section, you talk about the difficulties of being an actual resident assistant. Can you talk about some of those, maybe examples of other people that you've talked to or yourself?
1: Of course. Yeah. Um, I'll start with, you know, myself. So Reuben Hall is a pretty difficult hall to be an RA. You know, I have a a list of things just always out there ready. So we have the highest ratio of residents to RAs. So that takes a lot of time for base meetings and room inspections. We um, have no kitchen in the building, not communal, not personal. We have no dining hall. We have no air conditioning. So during, you know, the end of the year, the beginning of the year, it gets pretty difficult to live in there. It's also a freshman residence hall, and freshmen tend to, you know, be a little bit more high-need. just because that's the nature. It's their first year sometimes in the city. In other buildings, though, they they have their own difficulties. With a building like 3rd North or Palladium, there are so many residents that are there that when they're on duty, so every night an RA is on duty, they have to respond to a lot of calls. And so sometimes they won't get any sleep throughout the night because public safety is constantly calling them about a lockout or a resident that needs help or a wellness check. So they have very difficult times that they have you know homework due the next day or an exam, you know, they're, they're in a really rough position. I mean, the university, you know, is largely aware of these problems, so they don't really do anything about it. So this section was mainly just detailing those problems, putting it all out there so everybody can see not everything, but a lot of the difficulties that RAs will face in their role.
2: And then what were your sort of proposed solutions to these problems, which you outlined in the fourth section of your essay?
1: Yeah, um, fourth section, I have four proposed solutions. Um, the first one isn't necessarily a solution for which I would advocate. It's about unionization, how unions would take steps to solve a lot of these problems, but I don't think that they are you know, the be-all, end-all in terms of solution because it actually puts a lot of constraints and difficulties on us as RAs. Unionization, I bring that up more as like, you know, if the university doesn't act and do something, this may be the inevitability, which puts RAs in a slightly better position, but, you know, the university in a much worse position. So I say they should be magnanimous and start, you know, con- giving us concessions so that we don't all kind of go into that um, rough place. Probably the biggest solution that I have up there is a stipend for RAs. So RAs are oftentimes not able to hold any jobs or internships on the side while they're in the role. Like their supervisors can say, like, no, you cannot have this. We want you to focus your time here. They say that the RA role is anywhere from 20 to 25 hours a week. And if you're also being a full-time student, it can be very difficult to have any job on campus. And so with that, you know, you have no income, really. And it's difficult to have an income. And with, you know, daily expenses coming up, healthcare costs, um, transits, anything like that, um, you're going to need some form of money. And so a $1,000 um, a semester stipend would go a long way to helping RAs kind of cope with a lot of that financial stress that they bear, um, among other forms of stressors within the role. One of the other solutions I had was a increasing the holiday duty meal stipend. So um, how it is right now when an RA is on duty over the holidays, so even during the holidays, RAs have to be on duty, we only get $15 per day for food. Um, which is is not that much, you know. In some halls that have kitchens that can be extended, that can go you know a decent amount. But with a place like Ruben or anywhere else without a kitchen, fifteen dollars you know, you're not going to really be able to buy groceries unless it's just some bread and peanut butter. Um, so you have to kind of order actual meals, and one meal alone is going to be fifteen dollars right there. And so there are a lot of RAs who are going to be. Um, you're going to have food insecurity over these holidays. They're going to not eat healthily, as what happened with me. You know, I was ordering two Domino's pizzas every time I was on duty and making them last three days, which is not good in terms of calorie standpoint. It's not good in terms of a nutrition standpoint. So one of my uh, proposed solutions is increase that to $25 a day, which actually is not um, that big of an impact in terms of the cost that the that ORLHS would would incur. Um, and it would go a long way to relieving kind of that uh, food insecurity stress.
2: And the fourth proposed solution you had was about RAs being able to vote on policies that affect the RA role, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. The fourth one about you know, voting on policies. And the main reason for that is, you know, let's say the university solves all of those that I listed out in the third section there's still going to be other problems that, you know, I don't know about that maybe aren't here right now, you know, in this present moment that will come up in the future. And so having the ability for RAs to actually advocate on behalf of themselves, you know, propose legislation or whatever through the university, debate about it, argue it, and then eventually vote on it. So actually have a voice could go a long way to kind of preserving RAs in a good position for, for years to come.
2: And that would sort of address one of the final things you talk about in your essay, which is how university officials tend not to engage in sort of conversations about um, changing the RA role in your experience.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, the university officials are very good at kind of making us you know, run around the loop and not really providing us anything. So, for example... Um, before I wrote this essay, so this wasn't, you know, my first go to. What I actually did was I met with quite a few people who are high up in residential life and I brought these issues to them. You know, as I said before, I met with the senior associate vice president of student affairs, Tom Ellett. I had an hour long meeting with him of just going through each of these issues, but it wasn't so much, you know, him listening to them, understanding them, and, you know, let's work together, find a, a solution. It was, you know, I don't know if that's such a, a big issue or there's nothing that we can do or we tried doing something and it didn't work. And at the end, he told me, okay, we have all these ideas, write a formal proposal and send it in and then, you know, we'll be able to discuss it further. We don't know how a formal proposal works. Even, you know, people in RA Council, you know, issues and advocacy committee or on the executive board don't really know how the process works we write something up and we send it in we get back a binary yes or no we don't know why it was if it said no we don't know why it was said no where the you know kind of the breakdown was and it's a lot of effort to write a formal proposal and so with that like that's their way of really ending the conversation because if you don't write that formal proposal you try to bring it up again they just say well you didn't write anything so why are you you continue to bring this up
2: and so that sort of answers the question as to why you wrote this but Mm -hmm. I'm also curious about um sort of what ended up being uh, an almost open letter format that this that this took you wrote um, in your essay, quote, I'm making public and accessible all of the information I have gained these past four years with regards to ORLHS. Mm-hmm. My hope is someone else or a group of people will be more effective in making change or that the existence of this essay will compel ORLHS to change some of their practices. And so this sort of essay that you wrote circulated as a Google doc via email mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of RAs and other students at NYU. Can you explain your decision to share this with everybody and um, sort of what effect you hope that that would have?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, I'll kind of pull back to why I even wrote it in the first place. So I mentioned, you know, I had my meeting with Tom that, you know, didn't go all that well or wasn't quite productive. Um, And so I had this choice with myself, which is, you know, I can graduate and walk away and just like, that's the end. Or I can put something out there that basically expresses everything that I've, you know, learned in my time within residential life. I felt that it was in the best interest for resident assistance moving forward if I just put this out there and they were all able to, to see it. And so that's exactly what I did. In the end, I, for, I organized it and I distributed it to about 40 people initially. So I sent it to all of the RAs in Rubin Hall and then I sent it to every RA on RA Council. But then also in in an effort for transparency, I sent it to quite a few professional staff members. So I sent it to uh, members of building leadership teams, so hall supervisors around campus, just being like, hey, you know, you might receive this from your staff for transparency. I'm sending it to you first so you know what's going on. I sent it to professional staff members in Central. So the seventh floor of 726 Broadway, where the Central Office of Residential Life is, I sent to them saying the same thing. Like, you might get this. Here it is, just me giving it to you. Like, this isn't supposed to be covert. This isn't supposed to be, you know, trying to um, undermine things. I'm sending you directly. But then I also sent it to uh, senior, you know, yeah, Tom Ellett saying like, this is you asked me to write something this is what I wrote like I would be happy to sit down and have a meeting with you to discuss it further
2: and what is your response to people who would say like you chose this job as an RA this is the way the job is you yeah. should do your job if you don't want it don't like it find a different job
1: I think that's you know a very valid point of valid question is yeah if people don't want to do it they can leave and quite a few do leave um where after their first year you know if they're a junior they're like this is not right for me this is a lot of stress and so you know they head out some other RAs, like as I brought in before, some of them are, are low income. And so it's very difficult for them to, you know, kind of forego that about, you know, fifteen to $20,000 off of their um, student loans that would be given from the RA rule. But then also, you know, about, you know, if it's, you know, you chose to do this. I think that's a very fair point. These people did choose to do it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't try to work to make it better. Um, if these people are in the RA role and there are problems, like, those problems should be addressed because these are our students. But I would say the strongest point is, you know, just because something, you know, just because somebody chose to do something, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we should make it just bad enough, right at that cusp where it's an equilibrium between people who want to do it and, you know, the positions that are available.
0: Tom Ellett, the senior associate vice president of student affairs, whom Ari spoke with and who's mentioned in the document several times, did not respond to repeated requests for comment. There is a link to the document itself in the posts of this episode on SoundCloud and iTunes. For The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Anna Van Dyne.